Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If you've listened to this show before, you know this is the show where we talk to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and anyone with that entrepreneurial spirit about what it is they're doing in their business that's really interesting and cool and that excites them. And also, we talk a lot about the journey that got them there because people who listen to this show tell me that they're either just starting out or they themselves have a little business or so often... They want to start their own business, and they just haven't figured it out yet, but they know they have that ping inside them. So we like to interview cool people doing cool things, and today is going to be just that. Today on the show, we have Cindy Brummer, and Cindy is with a company in Austin, Texas called Standard Beagle. Not Standard Poodle, Standard Beagle, and they do web design. And I'm going to let her tell us all about that, but I'm so glad that she agreed to be on the show. I was recently on her podcast and we met uh, at an event here in Austin where I was the keynote speaker and she's just delightful. And I knew right away when I talked to her, she had to be on the show because she has had an interesting journey. She actually started in television news. She was a news producer. She started in sort of a small market and grew her way up and then decided, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm going to go do my own thing. So we're going to find out all about the path that Cindy has taken. Hey, Cindy Brummer, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, hey, Tom, how are you? I am great, and I'm so glad we're actually doing this interview face-to-face. I do most of my interviews by Skype, or I use Zoom.us, but I came to your office in order to be on your podcast, and since we were here, I thought it was a great time just to sit down and and chat about your entrepreneurial journey. So, So tell us a little bit about what is Standard Beagle. Well, Standard Beagle is a design and development agency, so we do... uh, the design and development for websites, web apps, mobile apps. Um, and we really focus on the user experience. So we kind of go through that whole journey. And we don't mess with SEO. We don't mess with any of the branding. We use partners for that. So we really focus on what we do best, which is helping businesses reach their goals using technology. So who is your ideal client? What time? I mean, when you say web design, I mean, there's, you know, there's obviously Fortune 100 companies and there's Bobby who just started a business in his garage and everything in between. So who is your ideal client? So our ideal client is really uh, medium-sized companies, sometimes small businesses. We even work with large companies, but they tend to focus in healthcare, tech, and doing e-commerce. And really, we've worked with nonprofits too, but really what it is is they have an issue. They're not sure how to solve it, and we can help them solve it. We tend to not really work with solopreneurs just because they tend to not have quite the marketing budget that's required for ongoing maintenance of like a technical solution. So we could do uh, maintenance of an intranet for a larger organization. We can do managing a, a smaller website for maybe a firm of lawyers. It just kind of depends. We we tend to be chameleon and we where we can either do be the entire solution for a company or we can maybe augment an existing IT team. That's kind of how we work. So you started off in television news as a producer. And I mean, if you think about cool things, most of us from the outside would be like television news. That's cool. So tell us a little bit about the path of where you started and and Let's talk a little bit about sort of television news and then how that led you to web design. Okay. So I, I love journalism. And I, I fell in love with journalism when I was in high school. And that's what I totally changed my whole career path in my senior year of high school because I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I fell in love with journalism. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. 
and I ended up at UT, and I ended up going to the student TV station just to check it out and falling in love with TV journalism and really getting in, in, you know, involved in that station and understanding that whole thing and then was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do TV news from here because this is the only thing I can do at learning journalism. And so I went to – my first market was in Sherman, Texas, and I was the noon and five producer. And it was it was fun. It was hard, but it was a bunch of college kids. You know, like everybody in those small markets, Market 161, is like right out of school. <laughs> like there's nothing – like we're all like kids literally, and we're supposed to look all professional on the air and running things behind the scenes, and we're all just kids. Even the – even like the, the, the anchors in some of those markets. I mean, you know, we were traveling one time, and I was giving a speech when we were in a small town, and we just turned on the local news, and I swear that the anchor person had – to be 15 years old. I don't think the guy was shaving yet. Oh, I'm telling you, they're all like in their 20s. Like nobody, I mean, there's maybe a few that have decided that their career should be in that market and they want to stay there. But most of them are like, I just got out of school. I need to start off somewhere and this is where I'm going to start. And so like small markets are where everybody goes. And so that was fun because there was a bunch of kids my age. But then about four months in, I got a call from a, a station in Houston and they were like, hey, are you ready to come to the big leagues? And I'm like, yeah, get me out of this small town. You went from 161 to what? What is Houston? At that time, it was Market 11. I think it's a little bit larger now. But at that time, it was 11. And so it was a huge jump for me, like 150 markets. And then at that point, so I had been like, you know, the big time producer. And then I went to being like an itty bitty little associate producer. (laughs) Hey, can you get me some coffee for this meeting? Exactly. And having to deal with anchors that were so, like, I so looked up to all the anchors that were at my station and and the reporters that had been there forever and that had known like they knew everybody everywhere and I was like oh my god I'm around these all these people and I'm like 22 you know and um it was really fun being able to work with them and work my way up through the ranks but it was in Houston and my boyfriend who still lived in Austin at the time was like I am not moving to Houston and I was like oh well I guess I better get another job (laughs) so uh I found I took the first job that came my way and I went to be a morning producer in Nashville and my boyfriend followed me there and we got married (laughs) I was gonna say wait a minute Nashville is actually farther away from Austin than than Houston was yeah but Nashville yeah I I wasn't sure I wanted well I couldn't get a job in Austin it was so hard nobody wanted to leave like this is like one of those weird markets where nobody wants to leave Austin so I had to go get a job anywhere else and Nashville was actually really cool we were there for three years but I was only there for a year and a half as a news producer um, before I was at a number three station and that is like the death knell for any producer is to be at a station where you're only as good as the day's ratings and I was like I can't do this anymore this is this is awful and I was like I'm never going back to TV news ever I can't do this anymore and so I worked at a skate shop I was selling skates and I worked at Williams Sonoma selling pots and pans and just kind of, well, at the time I also did a documentary. So I was just trying everything I could to figure out where was my next path. I don't know what I'm doing. I tried to set up a business and it was completely a disaster because I couldn't get any clients or anything like that. And then we ran out of money. We moved back to Austin and um, I I found the first job I could, and it was at a TV station. So I'm never going back to TV until I'm going back to TV. <laughs> exactly. And I ended up as a web producer at KVU, which actually turned out to be an awesome thing because it was doing journalism, but it wasn't like on the line. It wasn't like the daily newscast. It was on the web. And at that time, like the web was like really weird for people. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but at the same time, it was really weird for people 
people in news. They didn't – like I had to educate the reporters about why it was important. They thought it was competition. They weren't doing it first. They wanted to put it on the air first before they put it on the web. And so I was continually having to push those boundaries and try to get the reporters to see that the web was a benefit and not like a hindrance to what they were trying to put out on the air. And now it's like, right, it's completely the opposite. Like everybody wants to put it on the web first because that's where they can break it. But that time – People were breaking things on the air, and they didn't want to have anything to do with the web. The web messed things up. So isn't that interesting how things change? I mean, because like you said, it wasn't that long ago. I can remember going to a meeting with a print reporter and and his editor, and they were asking me if they thought that any of their reporters should have a blog. And I thought it was a great idea. I wrote a blog, and I thought it was a great idea, and this was the way things were going, and this was a decade ago. And the, their conclusion from the meeting is, thank you for your advice, no way. Would they would they want a blog? And then about six months later, all of their reporters were mandated by their parent company to have a blog. And I went back and said, what happened? And they they were fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And now that reporter is an editor and he is so web savvy and he puts everything on the web and you know he runs the, the paper now. And it's so funny because I'll remind him, do you remember that conversation? And he'll be like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but but the world changed in the last, you know, I mean, in a matter of a couple of years, it went from, oh, no, no, I need to break it on the air to we want to break this on the web. No, exactly. And I remember having the conversation with my supervisor who was like, uh, what about this Twitter thing? Do you think it's worth it? And I'm like, yeah. And I remember too, like YouTube came out like a couple, like the year after I started at KVU. And I just found out about it. I'm like, this is really cool stuff. We should be taking advantage of that. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. It has to be on our proprietary platform. And things have changed so much now. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, huge. So you were you were early on then doing some interesting, cool things as a web editor. What made you leave that to start your own business? Well, I loved KVU and I loved all the people there, but I my job got so routine. I just felt so stuck. Like I wasn't doing anything. And I remember getting really interested in what was going on with the website. So as a as a producer for the web, I just used the tools that they gave me. There was no like designing, like they just gave it to me and I just stuck it in their CMS and just made it happen. But I really wanted to know what made it go up there. So I talked to my uh, general manager and I said, can I, I want to do some classes at ACC. I want to do continuing education and learn to be a web designer. And she was really supportive of me. And so they paid for some of my classes and I started doing it on the side. And then people were like, oh, you do websites? can I hire you? And so I started getting my first clients like while I was working at KVU. And I started seeing, wow, this is really a lot more exciting than what I'm doing where I felt like I was a content monkey, where I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't. They were dangling a carrot, but I was never getting anywhere in front of it. It was like the turtle that had the stick in front of it, you know? And so I ended up leaving when I was pregnant with my second child and thinking, okay, I'm going to start this business. And yeah, it's really hard to network when you have a newborn. <laughs> working. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, certainly something to talk about if you got a baby on your hip. But, but I want to back up one little step here because you made a comment that you just felt stuck. You felt you weren't going anywhere. I think that resonates with people who listen to this show in ways that you don't even know. I mean, I think that when you said, oh, you know, I was good at it. I liked it, but I was bored. I just wasn't challenged. I bet there were a hundred people who, when they listened to this, went, oh my God, I'm just like Cindy. So what was it that gave you the courage to say, yeah, I got a new baby, but I'm going to take the leap? Um, well, I have to say, um, 
I'm gonna. So at the same time that that was all happening, um, I found out that my husband was an alcoholic, and it got really scary for me. And I realized that I am not going to be able to support myself if I didn't get some skills. And so I decided that I was going to take my own path into my own hands and not rely on anybody ever again. And so I just decided to take the leap into that because I was going to take care of myself and not worry about it. And I'm very fortunate today that my husband is sober and he's happy and productive and I am in control of my own destiny. And I'm, I'm, that's pretty much what did it. It was almost that, that fire on a stick that pokes you, you know, like, I have to make this move now because otherwise I'm going to be dependent and things are going to happen and it's not going to be the way I want it to be. And I'm not going to be unhappy because of somebody else. Wow. I think that, first of all, thank you for your honesty with that little piece of the story because I think that that's something that the real world has. We all have issues that come up in our personal life that impact our career. And I think some people might have looked at a similar situation and had the opposite answer thinking, oh, no. I better hold on to what I have and let someone else be in charge because if it isn't going to be your husband, it's got to be your boss. And I think the fact that you said, no, I'm going to I'm going to take ownership of my future no matter what that means. I mean, it turned out good, but if it hadn't turned out good, you still would have. And I, I think that that's an important message for, for the listeners. Yeah, it was a, it was a scary moment, but um, gosh, we've gone through a roller coaster ride, but I've certainly learned a lot in the past 10 years about how to take care of myself and, and why it's important to look out for yourself after, you know, even, even in, in the midst of hardship, you know, and I, I have like a, a tattoo on my back of a phoenix, which is just to remind me that, you know, I've gone through hard times and I'm, I will rise again because there will continue to be hard times. Nobody's, nobody's immune from hard times, but we just have to keep persevering through it all. So on the business side, what are some of those lessons that you've learned that you think other people who maybe they are facing a struggle and they're thinking, no, she's right, I have to take care of myself. What are some of the things you wish you knew when you launched out on your own that you didn't know? Well, the first thing is that I don't know everything. And that's the main thing. Like I always thought, okay, I can do it all. I can be the designer. I can be the developer, the content person. I know it. I can provide it all. And what I've learned over the years is that I don't know it all and to surround myself with people who are smarter than myself. So I have brought people to surround me that have been that know more than me. And I kind of provide the vision. Like this is where I want to take it. And they kind of help support me in that. So it's not really a dependency thing so much as it's a shared vision where we can all go together and understanding myself as an entrepreneur, like where am I strong? My strength is in project management and in design and in running the company. I'm not strong in these other areas that I have to have as part of it. So I don't know bookkeeping. I can't do that. I can't be the accountant. I honestly don't know that much about marketing, which is why we hired a marketing director. I mean, there's there's all these pieces that I can't do it all and be an effective you know, business owner or entrepreneur. I have to understand that there are people that are really good at that and to find those people who to support me so that we can all do the job together. So how many employees do you have at Standard Beagle? Uh, here in Austin, we have it's five, including myself, and then we have a developer in New York, um, six. So we're small and scrappy, but we're going to grow and probably never be huge. I don't have any visions of being like a you know a company of a hundred or more. But um, I like working with a small team, and I I really like being able to have that personal relationship with people around us, and being able to still have that personal relationship with our clients because that's really important to me. I love our clients so much, and I love talking with all of them. So I'm a solopreneur. I mean, I work with a few vendors and, and subcontractors, but for the most part, I work 
by myself, for myself, and you know, it's me. What are some of the challenges when somebody launches out on their own and then you take on your first employees and you grow to five or six people? What are some of those challenges that maybe people don't think about? So the biggest thing I had to do was do a budget. <laughs> I never had to do a budget by myself. You should see her face. It wasn't just a budget. It was a budget with this total cringe, like every muscle in her face went, ugh. Uh, and you know what? I have to own it too, right? I have to, it's not like I can just, I can't just slough that off into somebody else. I have to own it. Like Even if I have somebody else do the work, I still have to look at it and understand it. There's certain things that I have to understand as a business owner. Otherwise, you give up that kind of control and um, understanding of what's going on around you and you leave yourself open to you know vulnerabilities. But so a budget was the main thing that I had to grow up and do. But the other thing I had to understand was that being the, the business owner on my own is not the same as being a manager of people. Managing people is a completely different skill. And even if you work really well with other people, it doesn't make you a great manager. You have to kind of, un you have to feel your way in as the manager and understand how to work with people and understand where they're coming from because everybody has their own thing going on and you have to understand how to tap into where their passions and create you know creativities lie so that they can do their best work and empower them and rather than trying to delegate all the time or micromanage there's there's a fine line to walk when you have people that you're managing and that you're responsible for and it also brings on that pressure i didn't realize that hiring people was going to be so full of pressure for me because I feel like I'm letting them down if I don't bring in the work for them to do. Like there's that insane pressure that is always following me around that I need to take care of these people because that's what we do. Otherwise, nobody has a job. And if I lose my job, that's one thing. If everybody loses their job, that's that's another whole thing that I, I, that I carry on my shoulders. And so I didn't realize that as a business owner that that would be following me. So what's the best part of having these employees working with you? Oh my gosh, they're so fun. They're so fun. They're so full of, you know, creativity and talking and and just they come up with these ideas. So the best thing about working um, with a team is that everybody brings a different perspective to the table. So we can do better work together than if it was just me. Like otherwise, I'm just coming up with ideas and pulling it out my butt and things like that. But other, but here I bring it up and they're like, well, I don't know about that. What about this? What about this? What about this? And so everybody contributes to it. And so we're better as a whole than as an individual, and I really think. So you've been doing this for how long now on your own? Uh, on my own, gosh, Standard Beagle's been around since 2012, 2013. And so before that, I was working since 2008, you know. So you're coming up on a decade of working for yourself. Pretty much. So are there ever days where you think, what the hell have I done? I could still be a TV news producer. I could be at KVU producing the 6 o'clock news. Every day. <laughs> every day I wonder, what have I done? Why am I doing this? And then every day I sit there and I look at my vision board and I think, ah, oh, this is why. Because I want to be a leader. Because I want to make a difference for my clients. There's people out there that I really want to work with and I wouldn't get to work with otherwise. I was kind of in an insulated world as a TV news producer. You think that you meet a lot of people, but you really don't. I've met so many hundreds more people now doing what I do. And I, I'm very much an extrovert. I love people and I love talking to people. And it's so, it's so great to be able to talk to people and hear their stories and understand where they're coming from. I'm much more interested 
question what other people say than being interviewed myself and telling my own story. So it's- I, I don't know. You're you're great at this. This is you're a great interview. I mean, people are going to walk away from this episode going, "We need more. We need more of of Cindy." This was great. I hope so. And then maybe they can listen to my podcast and hear me just talk about myself all the time. <laughs> so, what is your podcast? How do people find that? Uh, the FRP. It is uh, a production from Standard Beagle, and we are on iTunes. Uh, we're on a lot of the major podcasting services. Um, I don't know about Stitcher, but we're on, I know Podcast Addict is the app I have on my phone that I pull it down on. So Cindy, I have a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. Now, I know from talking to several of the listeners of this show that many of you want to have your own show, but you are scared about, how do I do all the technical stuff? How do I how do I get it produced? How do I get it uploaded to all these different sites, to Stitcher, to, to iTunes, to your my blog, to my website? I- Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If you've listened to this show before, you know this is the show where we talk to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and anyone with that entrepreneurial spirit about what it is they're doing in their business that's really interesting and cool and that excites them. And also, we talk a lot about the journey that got them there because people who listen to this show tell me that they're either just starting out or they themselves have a little business or so often... They want to start their own business, and they just haven't figured it out yet, but they know they have that ping inside them. So we like to interview cool people doing cool things, and today is going to be just that. Today on the show, we have Cindy Brummer, and Cindy is with a company in Austin, Texas called Standard Beagle. Not Standard Poodle, Standard Beagle. And they do web design. And I'm going to let her tell us all about that, but I'm so glad that she agreed to be on the show. I was recently on her podcast and we met uh, at an event here in Austin where I was the keynote speaker and she's just delightful. And I knew right away when I talked to her, she had to be on the show because she has had an interesting journey. She actually started in television news. She was a news producer. She started in sort of a small market and grew her way up and then decided, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to go do my own thing. So we're going to find out all about the path that Cindy has taken. Hey, Cindy Brummer, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, hey, Tom, how are you? I am great, and I'm so glad we're actually doing this interview face-to-face. I do most of my interviews by Skype, or I use Zoom.us, but I came to your office in order to be on your podcast, and since we were here, I thought it was a great time just to sit down and and chat about your entrepreneurial journey. So, So tell us a little bit about what is Standard Beagle? Well, Standard Beagle is a design and development agency, so we do... uh, the design and development for websites, web apps, mobile apps. Um, and we really focus on the user experience. So we kind of go through that whole journey. And we don't mess with SEO. We don't mess with any of the branding. We use partners for that. So we really focus on what we do best, which is helping businesses reach their goals using technology. So who is your ideal client? What time? I mean, when you say web design, I mean, there's, you know, there's obviously Fortune 100 companies and there's Bobby who just started a business in his garage and everything in between. So who is your ideal client? 
So our our deal client is really uh, medium-sized companies, sometimes small businesses. We even work with large companies, but they tend to focus in healthcare, tech, and doing e-commerce. And really, we've worked with nonprofits too, but really what it is is they have an issue. They're not sure how to solve it, and we can help them solve it. We tend to not really work with solopreneurs just because they tend to not have quite the marketing budget that's required for ongoing maintenance of like a technical solution. So we could do uh, maintenance of an intranet for a larger organization. We can do managing a, a smaller website for maybe a firm of lawyers. It just kind of depends. We we tend to be chameleon and we where we can either do be the entire solution for a company or we can maybe augment an existing IT team. That's kind of how we work. So you started off in television news as a producer. And I mean, if you think about cool things, most of us from the outside would be like, television news, that's cool. So tell us a little bit about the path of where you started and and Let's talk a little bit about sort of television news and then how that led you to web design. Okay. So I, I love journalism. And I, I fell in love with journalism when I was in high school. And that's what I totally changed my whole career path in my senior year of high school because I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I fell in love with journalism. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. And I ended up at UT. And I ended up going to the student TV station just to check it out and falling in love with TV journalism and really getting in, in, you know, involved in that station and understanding that whole thing and then was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do TV news from here because this is the only thing I can do at learning journalism. And so I went to my first market was in Sherman, Texas, and I was the noon and five producer. And it was it was fun. It was hard, but it was a bunch of college kids. You know, like everybody in those small markets, market 161 is like, right out of school like there's nothing like we're all like kids literally and we're supposed to look all professional on the air and running things behind the scenes and we're all just kids even the even like the 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 anchors in some of those markets i mean you know we were traveling one time and i was giving a speech when we were in a small town and we just turned on the local news and i swear that the anchor person had to be 15 years old i don't think the guy was shaving yet i'm telling you they're all like in their 20s like nobody i mean there's maybe a few that have decided that their career should be in that market and they want to stay there. But most of them are like, I just got out of school. I need to start off somewhere. And this is where I'm going to start. And so like small markets are where everybody goes. And so that was fun because there was a bunch of kids my age. But then about four months in, I got a call from a a station in Houston. And they were like, hey, are you ready to come to the big leagues? And I'm like, yeah, get me out of this small town. And you went from 161 to what? What is Houston? At that time, it was market 11. I think it's a little bit larger now. But at that time, it was 11. And so it was a huge jump for me, like 150 markets. And then at that point, so I had been like, you know, the big time producer. And then I went to being like an itty bitty little associate producer. (laughs) Hey, can you get me some coffee for this meeting? Exactly. And having to deal with anchors that were so like, I so looked up to all the anchors that were at my station and I and the reporters that had been there forever and that had known like they knew everybody everywhere. And I was like, Oh, my God, I'm around these all these people. And I'm like 22, (laughs) you know, and um it was really fun being able to work with them and work my way up through the ranks, but it was in Houston. And my boyfriend, who still lived in Austin at the time, was like, I am not moving to Houston. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I better get another job. <laughs> so uh, I found I took the first job that came my way, and I went to be a morning producer in Nashville. And my boyfriend followed me there, and we got <laughs> married. I was going to say, wait a minute. Nashville is actually farther <laughs> away from Austin than, than Houston was. Yeah, but Nashville, yeah, I, I wasn't sure I wanted Well, I couldn't get a job in Austin. It was so hard. 
hard. Nobody wanted to leave. Like this is like one of those weird markets where nobody wants to leave Austin. So I had to go get a job anywhere else. And Nashville was actually really cool. We were there for three years, but I was only there for a year and a half as a news producer. Um, before I was at a number three station. And that is like the death knell for any producer is to be at a station where you're only as good as the day's ratings. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is, this is awful. And I was like, I'm never going back to TV news ever. I can't do this anymore. And so I worked at a skate shop. I was selling skates and I worked at Williams-Sonoma selling pots and pans and just kind of well, at this time, I also did a documentary. So I was trying everything I could to figure out where was my next path. I don't know what I'm doing. I tried to set up a business and it was completely a disaster because I couldn't get any clients or anything like that. And then I we ran out of money. We moved back to Austin and um, I I found the first job I could and it was at a TV station. <laughs> so I'm never going back to TV until I'm going back to TV. <laughs> Exactly. And I ended up as a web producer at KVU, which actually turned out to be an awesome thing because it was doing journalism, but it wasn't like on the line. It wasn't like the daily newscast. It was on the web. And at that time, like the web was like really weird for people. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but at the same time, it was really weird for people in news. They didn't, like I had to educate the reporters about why it was important. They thought it was competition. They weren't doing it first. They wanted to put it on the air first before they put it on the web. And so I was continually having to push those boundaries and try to get the reporters to see that the web was a benefit and not like a hindrance to what they were trying to put out on the air. And now it's like, right, it's completely the opposite. Like everybody wants to put it on the web first because that's where they can break it. But that time, People were breaking things on the air and they didn't want to have anything to do with the web. The web messed things up. So isn't that interesting how things change? I mean, because like you said, it wasn't that long ago. I can remember going to a meeting with a print reporter and and his editor, and they were asking me if they thought that any of their reporters should have a blog. And I thought it was a great idea. I wrote a blog and I thought it was a great idea and this was the way things were going. And this was a decade ago. And the, their conclusion from the meeting is, thank you for your advice. No way. Would they, would they want to blog? And then about six months later, all of their reporters were mandated by their parent company to have a blog. And I went back and said what happened. And they, they were fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And now that reporter is an editor and he is so web savvy and he puts everything on the web and you know he runs the, the paper now. And it's so funny because I'll remind him, do you remember that conversation? And he'll be like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but, but the world changed in the last, you know, I mean, in a matter of a couple of years, it went from, oh, no, no, I need to break it on the air to we want to break this on the web. You know, exactly. And I remember having the conversation with my supervisor who was like, "Uh, what about this Twitter thing? Do you think it's worth it? And I'm like, yeah. And I remember too, like YouTube came out like a couple, like the year after I started at KVU. And I just found out about it. I'm like, this is really cool stuff. We should be taking advantage of that. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. It has to be on our proprietary platform. And things have changed so much now. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, huge. So you were you were early on then doing some interesting, cool things as a web editor. What made you leave that to start your own business? Well, I loved KVU and I loved all the people there, but I my job got so routine. I just felt so stuck. Like I wasn't doing anything. And I remember getting really interested in what was going on with the website. So as a as a producer for the web, I just used the tools that they gave me. There was no like designing, like they just gave it to me and I just stuck it in their CMS and just made it happen. But I really wanted to know what made it go up there. So I talked to my 
a general manager and I said, can I, I want to do some classes at ACC. I want to do continuing education and learn to be a web designer. And she was really supportive of me. And so they paid for some of my classes and I started doing it on the side. And then people were like, oh, you do websites? Can I hire you? And so I started getting my first clients like while I was working at KVU and I started seeing, wow, this is really a lot more exciting than what I'm doing where I felt like I was a content monkey, where I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't, they were dangling a carrot, but I was never getting anywhere in front of it. It was like the turtle that had the stick in front of it, you know? And so I ended up leaving when I was pregnant with my second child and thinking, okay, I'm going to start this business. And yeah, it's really hard to network when you have a newborn. <laughs> working. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, certainly something to talk about if you got a baby on your hip. But, but I want to back up one little step here because you made a comment that you just felt stuck. You felt you weren't going anywhere. I think that resonates with people who listen to this show in ways that you don't even know. I mean, I think that when you said, oh, you know, I was good at it. I liked it, but I was bored. I just wasn't challenged. I bet there were a hundred people who, when they listened to this went, oh my God, I'm just like Cindy. So what was it that gave you the courage to say, yeah, I got a new baby, but I'm going to take the leap? Um, well, I have to say, um, I'm going to, so at the same time that that was all happening, um, I found out that my husband was an alcoholic and it got really scary for me. And I realized that I am not going to be able to support myself if I didn't get some skills. And so I decided that I was going to take my own path into my own hands and not rely on anybody ever again. And so I just decided to take the leap into that because I was going to take care of myself and not worry about it. And I'm very fortunate today that my husband is sober and he's happy and productive and I am in control of my own destiny. And I'm, I'm, that's pretty much what did it. It was almost that, that fire on a stick that pokes you, you know, like, I have to make this move now because otherwise I'm going to be dependent and things are going to happen and it's not going to be the way I want it to be. And I'm not going to be unhappy because of somebody else. Wow. I think that, first of all, thank you for your honesty with that little piece of the story, because I think that that's something that the real world has. We all have issues that come up in our personal life that impact our career. And I think some people might have looked at a similar situation and had the opposite answer thinking, oh, no. I better hold on to what I have and let someone else be in charge because if it isn't going to be your husband, it's got to be your boss. And I think the fact that you said, no, I'm going to I'm going to take ownership of my future no matter what that means. I mean, it turned out good, but if it hadn't turned out good, you still would have. And I, I think that that's an important message for, for the listeners. Yeah, it was a, it was a scary moment, but um, gosh, we've gone through a roller coaster ride, but I've certainly learned a lot in the past 10 years about how to take care of myself and, and why it's important to look out for yourself after, you know, even, even in, in the midst of hardship, you know, and I, I have like a, a tattoo on my back of a phoenix, which is just to remind me that, you know, I've gone through hard times and I'm, I will rise again because there will continue to be hard times. Nobody's, nobody's immune from hard times, but we just have to keep persevering through it all. So on the business side, what are some of those lessons that you've learned that you think other people who maybe they are facing a struggle and they're thinking, no, she's right, I have to take care of myself. What are some of the things you wish you knew when you launched out on your own that you didn't know? Well, the first thing is that I don't know everything. And that's the main thing. Like I always thought, okay, I can do it all. I can be the designer. I can be the developer, the content person. I know it. I can provide it all. And what I've learned over the years is that I don't know it all. And to surround myself with people who are smarter than myself. So I have brought people to surround me that have been that know more than me. And I kind of provide the vision. Like this is where I want to take it. 
And they kind of help support me in that. So it's not really a dependency thing so much as it's a shared vision where we can all go together and understanding myself as an entrepreneur, like where am I strong? My strength is in project management and in design and in running the company. I'm not strong in these other areas that I have to have as part of it. So I don't know bookkeeping. I can't do that. I can't be the accountant. I honestly don't know that much about marketing, which is why we hired a marketing director. I mean, there's there's all these pieces that I can't do it all and be an effective, you know, business owner or entrepreneur. I have to understand that there are people that are really good at that and to find those people who to support me so that we can all do the job together. So how many employees do you have at Standard Beagle? Uh, here in Austin, we have it's five, including myself, and then we have a developer in New York, um, six. So we're small and scrappy, but we're going to grow and probably never be huge. I don't have any visions of being like a you know a company of a hundred or more. But um, I like working with a small team, and I I really like being able to have that personal relationship with people around us, and being able to still have that personal relationship with our clients because that's really important to me. I love our clients so much, and I love talking with all of them. So I'm a solopreneur. I mean, I work with a few vendors and, and subcontractors, but for the most part, I work by myself, for myself, and, you know, it's me. What are some of the challenges when somebody launches out on their own and then you take on your first employees and you grow to five or six people? What are some of those challenges that maybe people don't think about? So the biggest thing I had to do was do a budget. <laughs> I never had to do a budget by myself. You should see her face. It wasn't just a budget. It was a budget with this total cringe, like every muscle in her face went, ugh. Uh, and you know what? I have to own it too, right? I have to, it's not like I can just, I can't just slough that off into somebody else. I have to own it. Like even if I have somebody else do the work, I still have to look at it and understand it. There's certain things that I have to understand as a business owner. Otherwise, you give up that kind of control and um, understanding of what's going on around you and you leave yourself open to you know vulnerabilities. But so a budget was the main thing that I had to grow up and do. But the other thing I had to understand was that being the, the business owner on my own is not the same as being the manager of people. Managing people is a completely different skill. And even if you work really well with other people, it doesn't make you a great manager. You have to kind of, un you have to feel your way in as the manager and understand how to work with people and understand where they're coming from because everybody has their own thing going on and you have to understand how to tap into where their passions and create you know creativities lie so that they can do their best work and empower them and rather than trying to delegate all the time or micromanage there's there's a fine line to walk when you have people that you're managing and that you're responsible for and it also brings on that pressure i didn't realize that hiring people was going to be so, so full of pressure for me because I feel like I'm letting them down if I don't bring in the work for them to do. Like there's that insane pressure that is always following me around that I need to take care of these people because that's what we do. Otherwise, nobody has a job. And if I lose my job, that's one thing. If everybody loses their job, that's that's another whole thing that I, I, that I carry on my shoulders. And so I didn't realize that as a business owner that that would be following me. So what's the best part of having these employees working with you? Oh my gosh, they're so fun. They're so fun. They're so full of, you know, creativity and talking and and just they come up with these ideas. So the best thing about working um, with a team is that everybody brings a different perspective to the table. So we can do better work together than if it was just me. Like otherwise, I'm just coming up with ideas and pulling it out my butt and things like that. But other, but here I bring it up and they're like, well, I don't know about that. What about this? What about this? What about this? And so everybody contributes to it. And so we're better as a whole than as an individual. 
And I really think. So you've been doing this for how long now on your own? Uh, on my own, gosh, Standard Beagle's been around since 2012, 2013. And so before that, I was working since 2008, you know. So you're coming up on a decade of working for yourself. Pretty much. So are there ever days where you think, what the hell have I done? I could still be a TV news producer. I could be at KVU producing the 6 o'clock news. Every day. <laughs> every day I wonder, what have I done? Why am I doing this? And then every day I sit there and I look at my vision board and I think, ah, oh, this is why. Because I want to be a leader. Because I want to make a difference for my clients. There's people out there that I really want to work with and I wouldn't get to work with otherwise. I was kind of in an insulated world as a TV news producer. You think that you meet a lot of people, but you really don't. I've met so many hundreds more people now doing what I do. And I, I'm very much an extrovert. I love people and I love talking to people. And it's so, it's so great to be able to talk to people and hear their stories and understand where they're coming from. I'm much more interested and what other people say than being interviewed myself and telling my own story. So it's- I, I don't know. You're, you're great at this. This is, you're a great interview. I mean, people are going to walk away from this episode going, we need more, we need more of, of Cindy. This was great. I hope so. And then maybe they can listen to my podcast and hear me just talk about myself all the time. <laughs> so what is your podcast? How do people find that? Uh, the FRP, it is uh, a production from Standard Beagle, and we are on iTunes. Uh, we're on a lot of the major podcasting services. Um, I don't know about Stitcher, but we're on, I know Podcast Addict is the app I have on my phone that I pull it down on. So Cindy, I have a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. Now, I know from talking to several of the listeners of this show that many of you want to have your own show, but you are scared about, how do I do all the technical stuff? How do I, how do I get it produced? How do I get it uploaded to all these different sites, to Stitcher, to, to iTunes, to your my blog, to my website? I don't know. I have no idea because Podfly does it all for me. And I am so fortunate to have been in a partnership with them since even before I started this show. I met them at the very first podcast movement conference. And I was thinking about doing a podcast and they were a vendor. They, they were one of the sponsors. And I walked by their booth like a hundred times and I asked them so many questions and I decided that they were the right one for me. And now two and a half years later, they have produced every episode of this show. And I will tell you that if you're thinking of starting a podcast, and I know some of you are, you have to jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. I cannot say enough nice things about them. Podfly is fantastic. So, Cindy, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your company right now? We are doing a really cool app. I, I mean, I have to say that because it's not just me. It's we. We are doing this really cool web app for a nonprofit out of New York called the Center for Active Design. We didn't actually create it initially, but we're helping them take it to the next level. They actually were granted this app from the Centers for Disease Control, and now they're taking it public. To And the whole vision is so that every building in the entire world will have a FitWell rating. And it's really cool to be working on it because their mission is to help make buildings healthier for people to work in. And I just love the mission of the group that we're working with, and I love our clients. So that's a really cool thing because we're using bleeding edge technologies to create it for them and like really making it solid. And I love the look on my developers' faces when they're working on it because they get excited about it, and then I get excited about it. I'm like, this is really cool. <laughs> My favorite thing about doing this show is watching people light up when I ask that question. I ask the question, what's the coolest thing you're doing? And oftentimes I just have to hear it in their voice. Sometimes we're on video, 
But sitting here with her, I got to tell you, she lit up like a light bulb when she talked about how cool that is. So the last question I have for you is, I think that in addition to one, making money and take care of their employees and be with their clients, I think great entrepreneurs, I think that they're observers. And I love to ask people who come on this show, who's another entrepreneur out there where you think, wow, they're doing cool things? Well, my, I, I think the answer to that question is someone who's sort of an entrepreneur, definitely a mentor for me. Her name is Patty Smith. She was my general manager at KVU, and she and her husband have opened and you know had m- multiple businesses over the years. And the reason that she's um, really inspirational for me is because of the way that she manages, the way that she inspires people. She makes people feel like they're the most important person in the world. Like here is the general manager of a company. And she just has this management style of making people feel like they're in it together. So KVU, yeah, it was a big company. It wasn't necessarily um, you know, a startup or anything like that. But when times were tough, she was totally honest with everybody. She sat us down. She said, listen, this is what we're going through. The, the, the downturn is hurting us right now. But we're going to get through this together. We're all going to work really hard. And she just really inspired me to do the best that I could, even though KVU was kind of a hard place to work for me at that time. I loved working for her and I still keep in touch with her because, you know, she, she managed, she gave me that, I want to be like her when I grow up, you know, like I want, when I am an entrepreneur, I'm going to do that with my employees. I want to make sure that they understand that I believe in them. I want to empower them. Um, but, I, and I'm not going to, you know, blow smoke in their face about what's going on. I'm going to be honest with them, but also to the point where I, they feel inspired to work for me. Oh, that's awesome. I think we all need people like that in our life who we can say, I want to be like them. My, my daughter's in college, and the other day she was talking about the, the young woman who is the president of her sorority, and she said, you know, she inspires me to want to serve. And I thought, God, how cool. And I, you know, I, I doubt she would ever say that to, to, the, to her friend, but I thought, how cool to be able to say, hey, someone inspires me like that. And I think when we have people like that in our lives, like Patty has been for you, I think that you see that in people who succeed because there was someone who sort of cleared the path for them and said, you can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Well, Cindy Brummer, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody's listening to the show and they think, oh my gosh, I have to know more about her. I want to know about Standard Beagle. How do they find you? Uh, go to standardbeagle.com and they'll find out more about us and they can send me an email. Okay, I got one more question. Where does the name Standard Beagle come from? So I used to have a treeing Walker Coonhound um, until about a year ago when she died, but it is a Kentucky breed. So most people aren't really familiar with it, except that it looks like a giant beagle. And people go, is that a beagle? And my husband and I would go, it's a standard beagle. Like the standard poodle is just the giant poodle. So you just said, oh, it's a standard. Absolutely. I love it when people come up with creative names for their company like that. That is so cool. (laughs) It was pretty funny. And the inside joke really worked for us. (laughs) That's good. Hey, thank you again for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tunes in and listens. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the lift, if it wasn't for the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So jump over to the Facebook page and join us there. Uh, It's just cool things entrepreneurs do on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at cool podcast. I'm always so happy that I got at cool podcast for my Twitter handle for the show. And then if you want to find out more, if you want to get deeper involved, we also have the group coaching program, the cool things project. Now I put this together originally thinking that I would have just a bunch of, you know, entrepreneurs who want to do cool things, but it is such a unique group of people. We have people who work for companies who want to start their own thing. We have a couple salespeople. We have a realtor. We have someone who works on a college campus. We actually have a research, a brain researcher uh, at a major university who is 
was just trying to find ways to do cooler things as a professor and as a researcher. So it is an eclectic group, but we hold each other accountable. We get together on a video call every single week. Not everybody comes every week, but we really are always interested in finding out how people are doing more and it's not expensive. All the other podcasters tell me I'm not charging enough for the Cool Things Project. I'll tell you what, I created it for someone like me. So jump over to TomSinger.com, go to the About button, pull it down, and there's a thing that says Group Coaching Project. People always say it's it's six hundred, it's $595 for six months. And people always say, is that $595 a month? No, it's like $100 a month because I wouldn't pay to listen to me help myself for $600 a month. But $100 a month, I think we're doing some cool things. That's why we call it the Cool Things Project. Check it out. And I know people are always thinking about it because they email me and they say, I'm getting close to joining. Now is the time because it's the start of the year still. We're doing neat things. And if you're interested in being a part of it, I'd love to have you join. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Cindy Brummer. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there. I'm going to challenge you. Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.